0: Well we've been studying really over, um, since the start of the year each month we've been thinking about this topic of money and um, we seem to spend a lot of our lives working to earn it and no sooner does it arrive in the bank account but it seems to just fly away. Well if you've got a family that's certainly how it feels anyway, it just seems to disappear. Now we've been trying to think about what does the Bible have to teach us about uh, money and let me just summarize what what we've learned so far. Uh, the first talk, we, we saw that God owns all the money. Uh, this world is his creation. Uh, and so everything in it belongs to him, including money and wealth, which actually he's given for our benefit. Uh, there is something good and useful in money. But then the second talk, we considered about how we have a sinful tendency to make money kind of like an idol. Um, like in lots of areas of our lives, we we take God's good gifts and actually turn it into something that we kind of live for and we worship. And we can have this sinful tendency to find our identity in our money. Uh, We find our security in it. We make sacrifices to get it. When we have it, we're happy. When we don't have it, we're sad. It, It rules over us. It becomes like a little idol for us, and um, that's a tragic thing when we worship it rather than the creator God who generously uh, gives us all things. And so the Bible warns us about this sort of uh, being wary of the seductive power of money. There's something in our hearts that when, when, when we deal with money, it has a very seductive power over us. That's why there's uh, so many challenges of corruption out there. When money's involved, you have to have lots of regulations and rules and accountability because there's something in the human heart that just wants to go after it and doesn't really mind exactly how it does it. And so the Bible warns us about this this, this seductive power that money has over us and, and instead urges us to cultivate a godly contentment. And then last month we began to consider what are some of the principles, what are some of the uh, the attitudes that the Bible teaches that we should have about how we get money and how we use our money. And uh, we we saw that God wants us to be prudent. We, we rediscover this old-fashioned word, being prudent. Do you remember the creature that God told us to examine? Do you remember? Go to the ant. You sluggard. What a great text. Did you use that over the month? Uh, As uh, parents with teenage kids, did you think about that text? Go to the ant, you sluggard. We are to to be those who kind of work hard and honestly to to get our money and yet not put our trust in wealth. Uh, It cannot buy our eternal salvation. It cannot buy God's mercy. It cannot restore our relationship with God. It doesn't really bring us ultimate fulfillment. And so um, we need to learn to be prudent. That's what we considered last time. Now this morning, what I want us to consider is a a second biblical attitude that's really important with regard to finances. And again, it'll seem a bit of an old-fashioned word, and it's about faithfulness. The importance to be faithful it sounds old-fashioned but actually it's an attitude that takes us to the very character of God himself as we've been singing about already this morning we have a God who always keeps his promises a God who, who, who is like that calls on his people to reflect him in the way that we too seek to be those who keep the promises that we make, that we're a people who are faithful to the obligations that we have. And it is this attitude of, of faithfulness with regard to our finances that I want us to consider this morning briefly. And we're going to look at three areas that we're called to be faithful in in our finances, okay? And we're called, and this this is going to shock you this morning, its it, but it, it, we're called to be faithful to our nation. We're called to be faithful to our family and to our church family. That's what we're going to consider from God's word this morning. So firstly, we're going to be faithful to our nation. So please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. And you'll find this on page uh, 1140 in the church Bibles. My tax return form came through my letterbox this week. So this is just a little bit too close to the bone, isn't it? But it's, it's a good week to look at this text from Romans chapter 13. Let's read the first uh, seven verses. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant. For your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Well, this is a a thought we don't often dwell upon. But uh, do you notice the principle there in verse 7? Give everyone what you owe them. And because of the authority structures that God has put into his world, we are people with certain obligations on us. And we have an obligation to honor those God has placed in authority over us. And that includes our civil government, which only kind of works if we pay our taxes. This is exactly what Jesus taught. Uh, At a time when there was no democratic system for voting the government out, Uh, in the time under the Roman Empire, when there was this dreaded and hated Roman poll tax, Jesus is asked whether whether they should pay it. They were kind of trying to trick Jesus. And his reply was this, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. See, authority structures are are given by God as a way of enabling the rule of law, the protection of people, and a punishment of those who do wrong. And so we ought to pay our taxes faithfully to enable those who work uh, full-time in governing and and also to pay those who work on behalf of the state to provide services that uh, serve us as a nation. We need to pay our taxes so that they are properly supported. That's the principle there, isn't it? Verse 7, give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Uh, It's a principle that should be followed by those who run big businesses like Starbucks, Amazon, and Apple. But actually, it's, it's true for us as individuals. We ought to be faithful as Christians in paying what we owe the government. And, uh, you know, if you don't like the amount you have to pay in tax and you don't like how the government's using it, then we do live in a democratic nation and uh, you can make use of your vote next time around to uh, ask your, uh, you, the members running for parliament where they stand and what they're going to do. That's something they never had in the first century. It, it is important in our civic life as citizens of this country that we live with this attitude of, of faithfulness regard to our finances, for in so doing we are being like our Heavenly Father. Who always pays the bills? New every morning, your mercies I see. God faithfully sustains His creation. He's just. He's faithful. He's impartial. And this same principle of faithfulness should be reflected through our dealings with others. You know, if we, if we, if people provide services for us, and uh, we agree to pay them for it, we should be faithful to pay what we owe. That, that's just simply part of our Christian discipleship with regard to our nation. So let me ask the simple question. Are you, are we paying what we owe to our government? Secondly, second area of faithfulness in our finances. We're called to faithfully support our family. So please turn with me to First um, Timothy chapter five and you'll find this on page 1193. Page 1193. Again, remember this is written uh, in the first century. And uh, in this time with the Roman Empire, there was no welfare system to support people who couldn't work through old age or disability. And the Apostle Paul is teaching Timothy um, how to be discerning about who the church, who the local church should be practically caring for. And we're going to pick it up from... Chapter 5, verse 3. That's page 1193 in the Church Bibles. Chapter 5, verse 3. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents. For this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever." Now, the Bible's pretty straight about this topic, that actually we shouldn't be providing for people who are able to work, but out of laziness choose not to work, and so make themselves dependent on other people. In 2 Thessalonians, we considered this last time, the Apostle Paul teaches, the one who's unwilling to work shall not eat. And so he addresses the idle and disruptive person by saying this, settle down and earn the food you eat. But even having said that, I, I, I want to acknowledge and there's people here in this room that are probably already beating yourself up right now. There are those in this room who would like to work, but right now you're unemployed. Uh, right now you're not able to work because of disability, because of ill health. Well, don't go beating yourself up this morning. Uh, That's not the point of this this talk. Thankfully, we do live in a a country which has had a Christian heritage where, uh, through taxation, the government does provide social welfare to support those as a safety net for those who are not able to work. But these biblical texts are directed to those who could work but who are idle. And the biblical principle of faithfulness is clear, isn't it? As far as you're able... We ought to look to provide for our own food and for our own needs. But in addition, there's a clear responsibility to actually provide for our own family. Look back at verse 8: anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. See, in a Christian worldview, that the family really is the bedrock of society. It should, take, it should be the place that, uh, where a man and a woman ideally uh, seek uh, the loving nurture of their children. It, it is the place where children are taught to know God and, and through, through their words and actions. Uh, the gospel is commended to them. Uh, They read the Bible, they pray with them, they feed them, they love them, they care them, and they launch them out into the world. It should be a place of safety, instruction, support, and love until they reach adulthood. And of course, sadly, uh, that's not the story of all people, is it? Some people have not experienced a stable, loving, caring home. But in fact, home was a place of confusion, conflict, abuse, and sadly, even harm. It could be drug addiction, alcohol addiction. Uh, it could be the fruit of the sexual revolution, really, that promised freedom. But has just continued delivering brokenness in homes and in people's lives. And, and I just think, as, as a Christian community, we've got a great message for a, a society that has so much brokenness in it. Jesus Christ came into the world to save Sinners. He saves people and he transforms them, not only just for eternity, but for now as well. I can think of many dear friends who, as children, experienced terrible abuse growing up in in very difficult homes where uh, there were new partners in their home who abused them. But since trusting the gospel and following Jesus, they've broken that cycle of generational abuse. And their children haven't known a day where they haven't been loved and cared for and nurtured. You know, this we've got a wonderful message of hope for a broken world. Jesus Christ saves sinners. He can change us from the inside out. But back to our text in 1 Timothy chapter 5. It's in the in the first century that the household will be a bigger unit than simply the immediate family. It would also include grandparents, perhaps widowed sisters. And so Paul says if a widow has a family, they have a duty to care and support that woman. Uh, When she uh, has no other support mechanisms, her grown-up children or even her grandchildren should ensure there's proper care. And so in Paul's category, uh, that widow is not really in need because the family should take care of them. The Christian family supplies her needs. And so when Christians are being faithful to support those families, then the church can focus on the support of those vulnerable godly widows without any family, without any means of support. And of course, actually, this is the reason that we have a fellowship fund here at church. It's a a mechanism by which uh, people can give money and uh, at the discretion of the elders... Uh, we look to meet acute financial needs within our congregation. We have folk who will sit down, help people work out why they're in acute financial needs, help them straighten up their finances, but we have the capacity to help you because we want to obey God's word and and offer help where it's truly needed. And so thank you if you support the Fellowship Fund. We don't go on about it because the nature of it is it's it's, it's a delicate area, but but it's, but it's something that takes place in our church and we thank you for your support of it. But in this area, can I ask, are we faithful in supporting our family? It's worth thinking that through today. So when it comes to our finances, we're to be faithful to our nation, to our family, and thirdly, to our church family. So it's in the same chapter, chapter 5, if you look down at verse 17 and 18. Uh, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work is preaching and teaching. For Scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. So you see this flow. Immediately after talking about the responsibility of, of providing support for your family and support... Um, for uh, vulnerable, godly widows, uh, it it turns on to the material support of full-time elders, those who provide leadership for the church, those who give themselves to preaching and teaching of the congregation. And I think these are the people that we more commonly tend to refer to today as pastors or ministers. Um, Now, you know, as a pastor, you're drawn to that phrase double honor. Does that mean double pay, do you think? I don't think it does mean that, actually. Uh, I I think it means that the pastor that does his job well deserves both respect as well as financial support. And this second aspect of support is clearly uh, indicated with this wonderful analogy. We had to think about going to the ants. What do pastors, you need to think about with pastors, cows, oxes. I like to think of a mighty ox. A sinuous, mighty ox. Well, this Old Testament law says, do not muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain. You see, as the animal works hard to make food for your family, in the Old Testament covenant law, it says, well, don't, let, let it eat as it works. Don't hamper it as it's working to provide for you as your family. Don't, don't put something over its mouth so it can't dip its head down and eat some of the grain that it's, it's digging away. It, it, you know, let the, let the cow eat when it's working for you. And this is the beautiful illustration that's used to think about pastors and ministers. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, Paul speaks of the right that he had as a, as a gospel worker, as an apostle. It's a right that he didn't actually utilize when he was ministering in Corinth, but he speaks of the right of those engaged in gospel work to be supported in their work to be able to support even their wives and presumably their families. And this is something that Jesus also taught. Now it seems that this um, same attitude of faithfulness is at work here. You see, if you and your family receive spiritual benefit from attending a church uh, as the place where you're being loved and cared for, where you're being taught the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're being instructed and encouraged in your life, then it's simply a matter of faithfulness to support that work, to support those who enable that gospel ministry to take place. And I have to say, uh, on the 15th of every month, when I look at my bank app and I see that the salary's arrived again, I do thank God for the faithfulness of this church. Do you know what? There's not been a month while I've been here where I haven't received my pay. And I do thank God for his faithfulness in and through those who faithfully give to this church. You know, I used to work as a dentist. I used to pay my own way for ministry. I kind of did three days of teeth and I self-financed myself to do ministry in a local church. And so I count it a great privilege that people have enabled me to focus my time and my energy to being a pastor in this church. Um, So here's the big principle. Give to everyone what you owe them. And as a Christian, we're called to be faithful in these three areas regarding our finance to our nation, to our family, and to our church family. But I suppose it begs the question, how much? How much? Um, I suppose it's the category of church that we we struggle with the most. Our families let us know their needs. They're quite vocal about that. Uh, The government very helpfully sends you demands. And uh, if you don't pay, it just gets rougher, doesn't it? They have ways of making you pay. Uh, But what should we give to our local church? Should it be 10%? Should it be, in religious terms, the tithe? In a study, study booklet by Matthias, Media Cash Values, which I'm, I've been uh, rating a lot for this series, um, it says, instead of calling it tithing, we should call it 10-percenting, because that's basically what tithing means. Is 10% the required amount, whether it's the, uh, the gross or the, or the, or the net of, of people's pay, is that the required amount for the local church? And I think if we say, is it required by the Bible, the answer must be No. There's no explicit command in the New Testament that says that 10% is the amount that we should be giving. Uh, it was something that actually was uh, a part of the biblical account before the law. Remember, we we looked at the king priest Melchizedek who blessed Abraham, and Abraham gave him a tithe. We thought about about that a few months ago, and so. Abraham thought that was the right thing to do, but really the tithing teaching is mostly wrapped around the whole principle of how should Israel operate as a nation. It was a form of taxation of how they helped support the work of the temple. It was also a means by which they provided uh, some welfare for foreigners and widows. And uh, these 10% laws are no more binding on the New Testament Christian than the other food regulations of the Old Testament. There is no percentage given. Uh, I know some people will say, you know, under the old covenant, 10%. The new covenant is so much better, don't we want to respond with even more generosity? But there's no figure given. We're encouraged to be cheerful and faithful givers. And we have this simple statement, do not muzzle the ox. This is about faithfulness again. If we benefit from the ministry of this church we should ensure the bills are paid, that gospel workers are supported, uh, that we can pay the utility bills. Um, if you're glad there was heat today, that's because people have paid for it. Robert shared earlier our, our vision. We, we wanna see lives transformed through Jesus to the glory of God. Uh, our mission is to, is to make disciples of, of all nations to the glory of God. And what we'd love to do is we want to continue to grow at the center. We want to continue to train everyone to be involved as gospel workers in their lives. But also to raise up uh, pastors, Bible teachers, evangelists. So that we hope to plant more churches. So the gospel will continue to grow. We've seen two churches planted in the last two years. And and we're praying towards seeing one in 2020. And all this... Uh, put stresses and strains on us As, as people head out and do church plants that means the giving that they gave goes with them and this is where it impacts all of us and it's really a very practical way we're saying are you excited about the vision of seeing lives transformed through Jesus and his gospel to the glory of God are you excited about that do you want to invest in that You want to be a faithful member that supports the ongoing life and ministry of this church. Again, I thank God for the faithfulness of this church. It's been going for, what, 210 years now? How's that been possible? It's because members have loved, prayed, given, served, turned up, invested in the work of the gospel here. And... um, If you're not partnering with us and this is your spiritual home, could I encourage you to prayerfully consider starting to give to support. You can grab a leaflet on the way out. And for those members, remember, you've got to change that standing order for next month. And why don't you prayerfully consider, could you invest a little bit more of your money in this gospel work? As we finish today, let's just have a brief moment of reflection, maybe bow your heads. Let me just think about, are we being faithful in paying what we owe to our nation? To our family? to our church family. Let's pray.